Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this podcast on conscious leadership. We have with us today a very special guest named Bob Anderson. Bob Anderson has dedicated his life to the intersection of leadership and personal mastery. He is the creator of Leadership Circle Profile, which is an excellent assessment. Welcome, Bob. Uh, It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining and pleasure to have you on this call. Tell us what is conscious leadership? Well, that's the $94,000 question, right? It's, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's it maybe easier to start with what is, uh, what is unconscious leadership? Sure. You know, like who, who wants to work for an unconscious leader? Sure. I don't get many people that raise their hands when I ask that question and um, they just smile and nod and they know what that's like. And yet, none of us is unconscious. It's, it's really a matter of degree. So someone we would call unconscious is actually operating at an earlier level of consciousness or a less mature level of consciousness. And so um, we're all conscious, and the question is to what degree. And what we've been doing now for probably the last 20 years is researching the intersection between the mature, your maturity, your level of inner maturity, how mature is your inner game, and how that translates into leadership effectiveness. And we find uh, not only uh, um, anecdotal correlation, in other words, you know, it's a nice thing to believe in, but we actually have um, very sophisticated measures. And every way we measure this, we find that less complex mind and heart operating system that's more like DOS rather than Windows, rather than Windows 10. Earlier maturity just is not up to what it takes today to lead in the complex business environment that we're in. So we distinguish between three levels of leadership, one we Mm -hmm. call reactive, one we Mm -hmm. call creative, Mm -hmm. and the next is integral. About 80% of leaders are running a reactive level of leadership, and that's underpinned by an operating system mm-hmm. that's what we call outside in. It's authored by others. In other words, I'm mostly leading from my conditioning. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, one of my early messages was that if I really wanted to be seen as worthwhile and valuable, it was helpful to be nice, friendly and kind and not speak my mind, uh, which got me in trouble at times. And so I learned to play it safe by always being agreeable. And that worked to a point. Uh, until I started to lead and I wanted to really lead change and I wanted everybody to like me and that literally doesn't work. Um, Later I got into, I started to notice that I had a very driven need to have everything my way. Uh, If you do it, uh, if you want it done right, do it yourself or do it, you know, have it done perfectly, do it yourself. And that ran into limits of scale. I became a fairly autocratic critical leader and that ran into limits to scale and so that's what we call reactive leadership i'm leading whether i'm aware of it or not from these deep um beliefs and assumptions that have been running that we you know that we put in there when we were young and they've been running us for a long time 
and they get us only so far and then they're outmatched by the complexities of the challenges we face in adult life and families and marriages and leadership organization and so on and then we need to do the work of upgrading that and that's very significant work and so the move to creative is a move into what Bob Keegan at Harvard, one of the foremost researchers on stages of development or stages of consciousness, calls self-authoring. So we move from being authored by others to being authored by self. And here, we're now less focused on all the messages from uh, how I'm supposed to be from my current and past environment. I'm much more focused on... uh, creating a vision that I believe in, creating an organization that matters and uh, can create outcomes that are worthy of our deepest commitments and so on. So that's, that's a very different purposeful, visionary, self-authoring stance in the world, and it has huge implications for leadership. Now, what we're finding is that all the ways we're trying to create organizations today, to design organizations, to be more agile, to be more uh, adaptive, to be more innovative, engaging, and so on, they literally will not arise or boot up on reactive leadership. It can't happen. They depend on leadership that's functioning at a minimum at creative or higher. It's kind of like when you go to the you know, buy a piece of software, you look at, well, what are the minimum specs, right? What are the system requirements? So the system requirements and leadership requirements for all the ways we're designing organizations today to be more adaptive in the face of the kind of complexity we're in um, require creative or higher. And that is a huge shift, uh, both in terms of how we show up in the outer world and how we design our inner world. There's a significant difference between the reactive style and the self-authoring creative style. It almost seems like the reactive style of being safe and wanting to get things done for the self, for the sake of achievement and becoming very autocratic is coming from a need of self-identity being recognized, creating a sense of safety over there. Yes. So... Uh, just a quick story, my own story. I won't get into all the details here, but um, I was in a pretty difficult conflict with one of my partners, Bill Adams, and co-author on the book Mastering Leadership and the book we're about to come out with, uh, Scaling Leadership. Uh-huh. And when the two founders of the businesses uh, at Loggerheads, uh, and it's really uh, intense, it's pretty scary and pretty in- and uh, for for everybody for, and for the business. And so I was working it and um, I finally got clear that maybe I was contributing to the problem. <laughs> I stepped away from my reactive blaming mm-hmm. and said, okay, maybe this has something to do with how I'm showing up. And I dropped in and uh, over a period of time, uh, did some work. And then all of a sudden it just, uh, I was out on a walk on a winter's day and it just popped in. And I saw for the first time, and I'm 61 years old, I saw for the first time how defined I am by my ideas. These ideas are me. I don't have ideas. They have me. They are me. And so um, it isn't um, a coincidence that these struggles came up as we published the book and co-authored the book because all of a sudden I put out my entire 
life's work. And I felt way exposed. And, um, and so as we got into some conflict around that, it was uh, intense for me because I am my ideas and I was behaving very uh, autocratically around that. Look, let me tell you, I got this nailed. I understand. You don't, you don't understand that kind of conversation was not helpful. When I saw it, I immediately started to laugh because once I got over, you know, the upset of it, I started to laugh. I went, all these years I've been thinking that Bill and others around me were so arrogant when I'm the arrogant one. I'm defined by my ideas. Don't mess with them. They're perfect. I got this. I've been working on this my whole life. This is un, un, unbeknownst to me. This is me. You're messing with me. <laughs> and so um, I wrote Bill. I says, Bill, I've been wrong. And I've been wrong in a partnership for quite a while. I'm ready to talk. And he wrote back, I feel your heart, brother. Let's talk. And we had an extraordinary conversation uh, at breakfast before I work with a client. Mostly me owning up to how I've been unconscious, here's the word, unconscious, of a deep reactive pattern uh, with a core assumption that my ideas define me. Once we got clear on that, um, our relationship went to another level. Our level of ideation and co-creativity and creating new stuff and the new book and so on just went through the roof. The business is growing because there's a lot less in the way and there's a fluidity in our, our creativity that couldn't arise because of how I was holding things. So it's really a very interesting. And that's what we mean by reactive leadership. Uh, being unconscious, that's the nature of it. We're not aware because it's conditioned. It's something we put in a long time ago. We've been doing it our whole life, so it's just automatic. And it reaches limits, and we may not even know it until we're bumping up, putting our head against the wall, you know. <laughs> and so um, and then it's time to do the work, to see it, and then shift it. So how do I want to show up? And that's the self-authoring. The self-authoring perspective is both how do I embody my vision of myself as a leader, how do I embody the kind of culture we're trying to create here, the kind of relationships I want, how do I become that? And then the ability to take a perspective on, to see into my operating system and see where it's supportive of that and not and redesign it. Redesign it meaning, okay, that's not true, what is true? about me. I don't have to be so threatened when people criticize my ideas because I'm not my ideas. So that's the work of the shift and it's a big shift and it's a big shift in self-awareness and then it really shifts how leaders show up in, um, in every situation in which they lead. Right. Thank you so much for sharing your own personal story and as you just said rightly, you know, we hit against a wall and then it takes us an event or something drastic to come up and then we see how we have been so attached to our idea or how we have been playing it very safe in caught up in our own identity and working on the reactive side. How can one realize, how do you help people move up from the reactive to the more creative side at an earlier stage? Well, 
Uh, here's the interesting thing. Uh, we work with a lot of senior teams and they've declared for a more agile culture. And there's a good business case for why they need to do that. We need to get faster to market. We need to be more innovative. We need to, with competition and complexity in the marketplace, we need to be able to reinvent the organization faster. And so agile leadership, more highly engaged, more innovative teams are declaring for this. And as soon as you do, whether you are aware of it or not, you put yourself in a spiritual boot camp. You are, you have called it up. So we were with a team, a very senior team, large company in the United States, won't mention it. Mm -hmm. They've declared for being a conscious business. So if you're familiar with a conscious capitalism book by uh, John Mackey and Raj Sasoda, mm -hmm. um, that's a really great book on the kind of organizations and what it takes to really thrive in the, in the marketplace today uh, and be consciously led and, con and be a conscious business. So they had declared for this and they've been working on it for a couple of years and we did their leadership circle 360 profiles. They were highly reactive. Mm -hmm. And when we met with them, it was, um, we had a day and a half with them it was profound actually um they knew all the language they'd actually been doing a lot of the work they hadn't yet seen or learned how to translate it into the way they show up moment to moment in their business meetings and so we helped them work that we helped them get really clear on what's one thing if i were to say you know where do you start what's mm -hmm. the one thing mm -hmm that would take your leadership to the next level and really get clear on it. Um, like in my case, I needed to be more collaborative and open to other people's ideas and suggestions. So that was, that would take my, then I need to get really clear on the one big reactive tendency. So how do I get in my way? How do I interrupt that? Well, I respond arrogantly. I get critical of other people's ideas. I get defensive. I, and I need to get underneath that to the point of seeing the fear and the illusion in it. And when you can hold intention over time, the here's what I want and here's how I am or here's what I've got, here's how I'm showing up and hold that, it moves. And when it moves, you're actually working the fundamental transition of reactive to creative. Uh, something self-authored. How do I? What? How do I really want to show up? What kind of outcomes and results do I want to create with my, within the organization, within the team, within my conversation here? And how do I interrupt that? Get in my own way? Cancel myself out? When you can hold those both and work it over time, you will move. The other thing that we do with them is get what I call harvest a feedback rich environment. All of our data, and we're gonna publish this in the next book, all of our data suggests people see you. They see you really clearly. We did a big study of the written comments and compared that with the, with the, um, the qualitative and, and, and quantitative data and looked at the correlation between that data. It was astounding. So people see you with more precision than we ever knew. And if you can harvest that and get feedback and build a trusting, a learning team learning feedback rich environment it can shift pretty fast and um, those are just a few ideas of how you start to work the shift right very often I see leaders who say the problem is out there that's the first very very first level of awareness mm -hmm. my team has a problem the executive team has the problem mm -hmm. can you go work with the team well, first of all, that's my favorite go-to. 
So, so when I get when I get into a conflict or a problem, my first and favorite is like, they're the they're if only they would change. If only he wouldn't be so arrogant. I mean, come on. And once I get to a certain that's what I said with Bill, I finally got to a point where maybe I'm part of the problem here. And if I'm right. not part of the problem, I really can't be part of the solution. And so the first move um, is to say, okay, all things change when we do. So leadership is the deployment of self into circumstances. You are your primary asset. What's you you bring the weather as a leader and into the team, into the organization. And so what's happening around you is a reflection of you. And so there's a great poem uh, by a Zen master. He says, the hand moves and the fire's whirling takes different shapes. The hand moves and the fire's whirling takes different shapes. All things change when we do. (laughs) And so... It's a universal principle, and it's one of our first, uh, we have th- in the book we're writing called Scaling Leadership, there are three key things you need to do to scale conscious leadership in an organization, to build this creative mindset and leadership in the organization around you. And the first principle or first tenet is start with yourself. And we've talked mostly about that. Uh, here and so if you don't and if as a senior leader like the CEO or if you're in charge of the division if you don't then start with yourself and take responsibility for the development effort become the chief development officer then um, likely the cultural shift the organization transformation you're trying to pull off won't happen excellent so be the change that you want to see in the world out there yes there's it's as simple as and hard as that. And so be the change and check the gap between how you see yourself and how others see you. That's the process where you begin, where one begins. Yeah, that's the beginning. How do I, what's my development gap, right? And so, and here's the hold we have on that. If you're in a position of leadership today, you cannot not be in over your head. You, you cannot not be facing a development gap. The world is becoming so increasingly complex at such an accelerating rate that it challenges everyone. And so as soon as we step up to a new position, we're challenged to scale our leadership. As soon as the organization says we want to grow 2x and we want to do that through being more agile or more innovative or whatever it is, you put yourself in a, in a development gap. And so no shame in that, actually. We're all in it. I'm in it. Bill's in it. Our business is growing 50% a year right now. We are so far into a development gap. Um, that's just the way it is. And so how do you see it? The development gap is the mismatch between the complexity of the context, the the business complexity we're facing and challenges, and the complexity of my mind and heart to meet that challenge. And reactive, not complex enough, not mature enough, not uh, adaptive enough, uh, uh, creative, uh, minimum system specs to deal with the kind of complexity we're in. Integral, even more 
uh, adapted for that. Integrals designed for large systemic complex change. Only about 5% of leaders are running that operating system. How do you see the difference between creative and integral leadership? Well, there's a lot of differences. I'll just quick, uh, time frames expand. So reactive is weeks to months. I'm mostly solving problems, fighting fires. It's more short-term problem mm-hmm. fix kind of orientation. Cre- creative is much more uh, about 10 years, 10, 15 year time perspective, long-term vision and strategy, self-authored vision um, and strategy. And so, and then systemic is, decades, if not centuries in time perspective, it's shifts from being an author of my business or the part of the organization I manage to taking responsibility for the welfare of the whole system and becoming an architect. So systems thinking boots up here, becoming an architect of the larger system. This is where conscious leadership by Mackie and uh, John and Raj have uh, are really saying they got to you got you got to integrate all your stakeholders right you got to optimize and integrate uh, all stakeholders welfare and that's a challenge so it isn't just profitability and you need to make a good profit to be responsible to the business but you also have to have really engaged motivated developing employees treat your customers uh, exquisitely um, and and they go on to say that the environment. Uh, not only community in which we do business or the national economy and so on, but the ecology, the environment is a stakeholder. And so how do you optimize the welfare of all the stakeholders in which your business is uh, involved or involved in your business? And that becomes very complex and you're holding a big opposites in tension. How do we be responsible to profitability and to the ecology? That's a big tension. And systems uh, or uh, architects and integral leaders can hold that and optimize that in a way that's not yet accessible from creative leadership. The only other thing I would just briefly say is that they've completely rewritten their inner code as well. So they go, you go from self-authoring where I am this self-authored self and I work really hard on it and I've got really good at it. I'm, I, I, I am the change I want to see in the world to, mm-hmm. to I am my opposite as well. Uh, so the masculine meets the feminine. I'm dark and I'm light. I am both um, an engaging leader and a controlling leader. I have the whole bandwidth in me. This is me writing Bill saying I've been wrong and I've been wrong for a long time. And so you can hold the, these big tensions within yourself and therefore outside of yourself. So when you hit embittered conflict, it's not, you don't make an enemy out of it. There is no enemy. I, I am the enemy I see in you. <laughs> okay, let's talk. And that allows for a level of dialogue and creative engagement that's rare. And um, so there's much we could say about the integral leader platform. Um, Only 5% are running it, but probably 15% of leaders are functioning well at creative and could be making this move. And so they're also challenged in a development gap there. Right. When you talk about integral leadership, sometimes it can just seem very overwhelming, like it's too big for me 
And yet at the same time, can you give an example of a low hanging fruit that one can grab for when moving from creative to an integral leadership style? Great question, because I think as a field, we're still uh, trying to figure out that transition. Since 5% of leaders play there, we don't really work there. If you're not fully functioning at creative, so if you're well into the transition or working the transition from reactive to creative, you need to make mm-hmm. that move. You can't make it from reactive. So one step at a time, you know, one upgrade at a time, right? And so then right. um, I would say one place to start is uh, in the outer game, start to really learn about systems thinking and take on um, – what's been written there, how you redesign whole systems, how you think systemically, how you hold the whole system and move from problem solving where cause and effect are related in in time and closely related in time and space to systems thinking where the cause and effect could be quite disparate in terms of something we did uh, five years ago over in this department is now shifting something big over here that we wouldn't connect those dots, but a systems thinker will mm-hmm. or start to hold that longer term, bigger perspective in terms of how the system is designed. So designing systems for higher performance would be one key framework. The other thing I would say is start to learn about uh, projection. So when you're making someone an enemy, when you're blaming them, mm-hmm. how are they just like you? How does that live in you? Take the log out of your own eye, right? So you can see clearly enough. This is integral uh, work. And when I can see that, oh, he's not the arrogant one I am, or uh, that's a, a reflection of me. That's why I can't stand it. That's a part of myself I can't stand or I repress, I don't want to admit to myself, if I can start to hold those inner tensions, I can start to function very differently with the outer tension. And the function and dysfunction out there is mirrored in me. It's not separate from me. Mm -hmm. So the more I can see my own uh, complexity, my own uh, many parts, some of which I like, some of which I don't like, some of which are sort of banished and unacceptable, the more I can hold that, the more I can show up in a way that heals the same dynamic in the outer world, in our teams, and the way our organizational culture works. If I can't see it in me, I won't see it out there, or I'll blame. And that's uh, those two things would be moves to the integral. Excellent. Thank you very much for sharing your insights here with us. And I hope uh, people listening out there will take a step forward to look at themselves in the mirror and see what is it that, what's the change that they can make in themselves and move up on the scale of leadership. And before you go, would you like to share another message with the audience? Hmm. Well, I shared that all things change when we do. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'll go back to the poem. All things change. Uh, The hand moves. This is the outer move. I make a move. I shift. The hand moves. 
and the fire is whirling. The outer world around me takes different shapes. All things change when we do. That's the, that's the key thing today, I think. Thank you. Thanks, Bob, for being here with us. My pleasure. Really great. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.